0: Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to hoarding travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. After creating two venture-backed startups and working in high tech, Jay wanted a slower and more indie balance to life. He started by automating his finances and planning to leave his golden handcuffs behind. That's when he discovered FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early, and he has been actively involved in the community, building tools and resources ever since. His website, fires.co, that is Co, includes a forecasting tool that helps you plan your path to financial independence. It will help you know when you could reach financial independence, how to get there, And if you're on the right track, this tool is perfect for those who want to dig into the details without managing a spreadsheet. In this episode, we talk about the important things to consider before investing, the most popular types of investments, including pre-tax and post-tax investments, how Jay prioritizes investing and why as well as why forecasting is so important when it comes to planning for your finances. Now, when you join the Thought Card Club, you can expect to hear an extended interview with Jay, where he shares how zero-based budgeting drastically improved his marriage, communication, and his finances. So be sure to join my private membership where you'll get access to my private podcast feed, where you can access Jay's extended interview, as well as our entire archive of bonus content. Now, I wanted to also share a special shout out to Podcorn. Thank you, Podcorn, for being today's sponsor. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, giveaways, and much more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman, which means that podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right for their platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Again, thank you so much, Podcorn, for sponsoring this episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Alrighty, guys. Now let's dig into this chat with Jay. Hey, financially savvy travelers. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Today, we have Jay from Fires.co. Today, Jay, I'm really excited to chat with you because as I mentioned before previously when we were behind the scenes that we haven't really truly talked about the path to financial independence, and the foundation of formation about investing. So I'm super excited that you're here today. And for those who are wondering, okay, am I in the right position right now, financial position to start investing? What are some of the things that you would say that we should be considering before investing our dollars in different types of instruments?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The primary thing that most people are going to face when deciding when to start investing is looking at their overall financial picture and the big thing that's there is typically various debts that you may have and so these could be anything from you know credit cards student loans mortgages And they all carry different interest rates. And the interest rate is essentially how much that debt is costing you. So if you have a $10,000 debt and it has a 7% interest rate, it'll cost you $700 every year just to carry that. If it's a 20% interest rate, it's going to cost you $2,000 every year to carry that. So the interest rate is going to be really important. And like you mentioned, when you start to invest, you don't have to get rid of all of your debt before you start investing. But you definitely want to look at what are some of your most expensive debts and really prioritize taking any extra money that you have in your budget and paying those off, getting those knocked out. And then you'll be in a much better position to start investing. And not only that, you'll have more money to invest because you won't have those debt payments. And instead of paying towards the debt, you can start putting that money into the investments themselves.
0: I love that because when we have debt, we are paying interest, but when we are investing, we are gaining interest. So I love that analogy and I love thinking about it that way. And for me in my personal story, I had $63,000 of student loan debt and I knew that taking that out of my plate would free up my cash flow to not only have a more elaborate lifestyle, but also have money to invest and have money to do other things. So I really do appreciate that. So what are some of the most popular types of investments that we should know about?
1: You know, once you get into investing, you have stocks and you have other types of investment like real estate. So basically you can consider anything that you can sort of park your money in and it's going to give you more money in a month and in a year as an investment. The easiest investment that has the least amount of effort required is going to be putting money into the stock market somehow. Once you put money into the stock market, if you're new to it, it can be very daunting because you you go and you see all these companies and there's a couple of different ways that you can invest into the stock market. And those are things like ETFs, mutual funds, or individual stocks. And basically what you're doing is you're giving your money, you're purchasing a part of some or multiple companies. And as those companies do better, your money grows. If they don't do as well one year, your money shrinks a little bit. But the nice thing with the stock market is, is that on average, it's had a really great track record, you know, going back many, many decades of giving positive returns.
0: I definitely hear that when it comes to stock market investing. And I think a lot of folks are going to be like, oh, my gosh, we already dived like so deep in (laughs) and it sounds cumbersome. So how did you personally get interested in investing and how has investing transformed your life in any way?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I know I I'd probably throw out a bunch of scary words there, mutual funds, individual stocks, something called ETFs. I'll back up a little bit, because I think it's really important to like simplify. And I think that what you find, especially one of the things I love about the FIRE movement is that there's a strong connection to the benefits of simplification. And you asked about my story. I started off with picking individual stocks here, there, and it was was complicated and it took a lot of my time. And to be honest, I didn't do as well as if I would have gone much more simple. And I think the current wisdom that people talk about today is doing what's called an ETF, which is an electronically traded fund, which is gives you the ability to say, you know, I want to invest $500 into the top 500 U.S. companies. And there's an ETF that you can put that $500 into. Once you put your money in there, the price of that will, you know, fluctuate typically over a longer period of time. It'll go up. And that's where you start to see your money grow. So it can be really complicated, but there are very simple strategies. And, you know, I think one of the books that is a cornerstone for simple investing is J.L. Collins, Simple Path to Wealth. And he's a big proponent of electronically traded funds. And so these are just single things that you can purchase and By doing so, you have diversification because you're not invested in a single company. You're invested across the entire sort of U.S. economy. And you don't have to worry too much beyond that. You just invest $500 a week, $500 a month, whatever you are able to free up into one or two ETFs. And that's pretty much all you have to do. And then you can sort of just check your personal capital account and see it grow.
0: Excellent. And your personal story, how has investing impacted your life?
1: I started early, you know, like when I got out of college, you know, I started putting money into like 401k. It took a little while before I became very disciplined and started doing it regularly. And I think one of the things that if I had to go back and do over again, I would be much more consistent about every year contributing to specific types of accounts like my Roth IRA maxing out my 401ks, et cetera. But I think now in my early 40s, the great thing is, is that my investments are large enough now that I can see that they're actually starting to work for me. I'm not financially independent yet, but I can see that light at the end of the tunnel as I start to see my money grow. And that's not related to my paycheck or anything. It's just, you know, my investment accounts growing over time. And pretty soon, the investments will start to be meaningful enough that it could start to offset a good portion of my income and give me a little more financial independence.
0: Yes. And the interesting thing about financial independence is that you can begin to see the impacts of it even before you actually reach that number. Whatever that FIRE number you have, you can start to feel more independent that resonates with me because I just reached Coast Fi and an episode we had in the prior in the archives, we just talked about Coast Fi. So that really means a lot to me.
1: Yeah, congratulations. Thank
0: you. I appreciate that.
1: And you know, I think that's one of the great things about investing is, is that you slowly build up that sort of confidence. Once you get to Coast Fi, like you know that hey, I don't have to continue to invest in my post-65 retirement and what I have is sufficient. And I think that opens up a lot of opportunities, but also it takes away a lot of stress that we tend to carry throughout our lives.
0: Exactly. And I think a big thing that you mentioned is that it takes time, right? Like if you're looking for like a get-rich-quick I don't know if this is going to be the right thing for you unless you're doing like Dogecoin or some other stuff like that. <laughs> but generally speaking, when it comes to investing, it's a slow and steady approach to building up that wealth over time. Now, I know that a lot of people talk about the advantages of pre-tax retirement accounts and the whole aspect of tax liability being something really important that we should consider when it comes to investing. So can you explain what pre-tax retirement accounts are and why are these accounts that we should be definitely looking at Maybe the first or one of the first to be thinking about?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. I think it's really important. I think it's one of those cornerstones of investing that are important to understand. The important thing is when you receive money, some portion of that money is going to be taxed. And, you know, you get your paycheck, and some percentage of that is already taken away for tax. The government, they want you to save for retirement. And so they will do things like a 401k, which are pre-tax accounts. There are the two ways that you can invest. You can put money into pre-tax or post-tax accounts. Let's talk about pre-tax first. So pre-tax accounts are things like a 401k where your employer invests money, your money into that account before you pay taxes on it. So that money goes into your investment and you have not paid any taxes on it. So what that means is a larger portion of your money can go into that. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never pay taxes on it. You will pay taxes when you withdraw money, but we can talk about that in a bit. And then there's the other kind is post-tax, which is you've already been paid taxes have been taken out of your pay and you might have some left over from your budget and you want to invest that. This is money that you've already paid taxes on and you can invest that money. And when you take that money out, it's taxed differently than the money that you put in, in a pre-tax. So maybe we can use a couple examples here. So let's say that you make $100,000 a year, round number, and You want to put 10% of your pre-tax money into a 401k. What that means is $10,000 of that $100,000 will get put into your 401k account, and that leaves $90,000 that you will be taxed on. So instead of being taxed on the full $100,000 of your salary, you're only going to be taxed on $90,000. So what it essentially does is it does two things. It lowers your tax bill for the current year because you're taxed on $90,000 instead of $10,000. And the $10,000 that you put into the 401k, it's more money because you haven't been taxed on it yet. Now, these are retirement accounts, and so the government expects you to sort of keep this money in the account until you get to you know, specific ages. And once you take money out of those accounts, after you hit that age, you will pay tax on all the money that you take out. That's the principal and the interest. And what that just means is the $10,000 that you put in, you'll get taxed on that, but you will also get taxed on any interest that you have earned. But the nice thing about 401ks is typically when you retire, you're in a lower tax bracket. So the tax that you pay is going to be lower than when you're in your working years when you might be in a higher tax bracket. For post-tax accounts, these are investment accounts that you put money in that has already been taxed. So let's say out of that $90,000, you were able to free up, let's say, $10,000 from your budget to invest. You put that into a brokerage account or something like a retirement Roth IRA. Now, what happens there is those get taxed differently since you've already paid tax on that $10,000. In most cases, won't have to pay tax on that $10,000 again. You may have to pay tax on the gains. So if that $10,000 turns into, say, $15,000, depending on the type of account that you put it in, you may have to pay tax on that $5,000 when you take it out. And so that's where you get into different types of post-tax accounts. One is a IRA or a Roth IRA, and the other is just your typical standard brokerage account. And a brokerage account is if you just go to your Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard and you just open a brokerage account, you can invest there and you can take that money out at any time. The Roth IRAs are, again, these are retirement accounts. And so the government's going to give you some tax breaks on keeping your money in there. And that's one where if you put in, say, $10,000, it grows to $15,000. You won't have to pay money on tax on any of the money that you take out. You've already paid it on the $10,000, but the government is going to sort of give you a free pass and tell you that you don't have to pay tax on the $5,000 of interest that you've accrued.
0: Okay, so you threw a lot of good information our way. And I'm a very visual person. So if we could describe a ladder or those pyramids, you know, those food pyramids where it's like you have like the bottom and then it gets narrower to the top. So if we had that kind of pyramid, what would be the first thing or first investment vehicle you'd recommend and we'll go our way up to the top? So imagine, let's say also this person has student loan debt. So Susie has student loan debt, but she's interested in investing. What could her ladder look like?
1: One of the things that we didn't mention is in many companies with 401ks, the company will do what's called a match, which means that if you put in a dollar, they may put in 50 cents. And so that's essentially free money, where if you don't put in that dollar, you're just giving up the 50 cents that the company would otherwise pay you. So for Susie, who has student loans and is looking to see what to do, and let's say those student loan interest rates are decently, you know, let's say they're like 8%. What I would recommend is that pay your student loan, try to pay that off, but still get your match. Say your company has a 401k program and they match 50 cents on the dollar. Do whatever you can to get all of the money that your company is going to match because that's free money that you don't want to pass up. Once you get that, you probably want to focus on more aggressively paying off your student loan. It really depends, Danielle. You know, if you have a really large student loan bill and it's going to take you a really long time, you may want to go ahead and sort of do a little bit of both, where you say, you know, I'm going to start investing a little bit here, but I'm also going to really aggressively pay off the student loan debt. If it's say it's smaller, like maybe it's 10,000 or 20,000. Maybe you can just knock that out, get that out of the way before you move on to the next stage of the pyramid. So I would say the first stage of the pyramid is going to be any match that you can get from your employer. Make sure you're getting that by contributing what you need to contribute to your 401k to max out the employer match. And in that same sort of section of the pyramid is where I would focus on paying off any high interest debt that you have.
0: Want to know how I'm learning about how to invest in the stock market? Back in episode seven, Terry Ijeoma shared how she ditched her job as an assistant principal to trade and travel full time. Well... Terry has since packed everything she knows about day trading into a course called Trade and Travel. My husband and I are going through the coursework together and we are learning how to pick good companies, how to create a watch list, how to manage our risks, and so much more. We are ready, we are so ready to make consistent income from the stock market. And if you're looking to do the same, head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash trade to learn more about Terry's best-selling trade and travel course. Again, that's thoughtcard.com forward slash trade to learn more about Terry's trade and travel course. Don't forget that the links to the course will be in the show notes. Excellent. And then right after that,
1: Right after that, the other ways that you can go is you may have additional money that you can put into your 401k, so you can do that. The other option that you have is called the Roth IRA. and This is, like you mentioned, this is my favorite investment vehicle. The way that I do it is uh, 401k to your company match, then the Roth IRA, and then the remainder of your 401k. And I'll explain why I think that's important. And it also depends on where you are with regards to your age. The younger you are, the more value the Roth IRA is going to be than, say, a 401k. And the reason for this is, let's say you're 25 years old. And if you're going to work till you're 60, you have several decades of interest that you could be earning. And so with the Roth IRA, What you get is if you put $5,000 in today, that $5,000, let's say 30 years, will be approximately, you know, let's say it doubles every 10 years. So it goes from 5 to 10 to 20 to 40. So that $5,000 in 30 years will be $40,000. And the great thing about the Roth IRA is you won't pay any tax on that $40,000 when you take it out because you already pay tax on that $5,000. If you're in a 401k, you would end up paying tax on the $35,000 of interest that you gained. It would be at a lower tax bracket, but you would still pay taxes on that. So that's why I like the free money from the 401k match, then the Roth IRA, then any remainder 401k that you have left over as far as retirement accounts go.
0: And then maybe the stocks, bonds, real estate, and you have to have like remainder money.
1: <laughs> yes. And so, you know, after that, it really depends on personal preference. Some people really are pulled to real estate. I don't personally do real estate. It's a little bit too complex for me. I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to deal with that. So I really take as much money as, as I go through these buckets, so max out my 401k with a company match, max out my Roth IRA, max out the remainder of my 401k. Then I also do my HSA. I treat my HSA as a retirement account. I have a couple kids. And so I start filling up their college funds. And then I have a brokerage account. The brokerage account for me is sort of the the last bucket. Because there's no tax advantage. You pay taxes out the wazoo. You pay taxes going in, you pay taxes going out, but it's still worthwhile to do. But that's the last one that I do. So I do all of the tax advantaged accounts first based on sort of where I'm at. But that's why, so just to recap, personally, I do the 401k to get the company match. Then I do the Roth IRA, both for me and my wife. Then I do the remainder of the 401k. And then I, do the 529s for my kids. I do my HSA as well in that same row. And then anything left over, I will put into brokerage accounts, which there's no tax benefit there.
0: And you know, that visual really did help me. And you mentioned taking advantage of the tax advantage accounts first and then working your way up. And again, this is like while you're still taking care of, you know, your household. So you're still planning for the future while also living for today too. So thank you so much for really painting a picture of what that looks like for you. And in the show notes, I'll make sure to have the transcripts for you all, as well as a visual. I'll do like a hand drawing for you all (laughs) so you guys can see his pyramid, what it looks like. All right. So one of the tools that I was really smitten when I went to your site with is that you have a forecaster that specifically helps people to plan out what financial independence, their path, what that looks like for them. So what inspired you to come up with this tool? And why did you come up with this tool versus another Excel spreadsheet?
1: That's a good point. It started in an Excel spreadsheet for me. So, as I started to, you know, as you mentioned, I came across Fire and I knew that I wanted to figure out what my path looked like. And for me, I'm a very detail-oriented person, and so I started by I downloaded a Fire spreadsheet and then I ended up customizing it quite a bit for myself because I wanted to really understand how the numbers work. And to be honest, as I was doing that, I learned a ton both about finances, about investment options, about the different layers that you talked about in the pyramid. It was only once I really dove into the details that I really can say, I do this, 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 and this in this order. Because when I started to look at my spreadsheet and understand How my money was sort of starting to grow, and also what it would cost to take out. That's when it really sort of clicked for me. And the reason why I created FIRES was because two reasons. My spreadsheet was getting a little bit out of control because, you know, there's only so much that a spreadsheet can tell you, just have a couple cells and rows. And so I wanted a little bit more information than what was. In the spreadsheet for myself. And the second thing was, I started to talk to other people. And as I talked to other people, you know, they became interested. And so I'd share my spreadsheet with them. And we were like emailing spreadsheets back and forth. And it started to become really messy. And I never knew which the latest version of their spreadsheet was. And so because of that, I just you know what, I think I could probably create something that makes it simple to just punch in your numbers, and it'll give you all of the details. And then everybody's looking at essentially the same online spreadsheet, so to speak. And so me and my friends, now we're all using the site, you know, any updates that we make to say, hey, you know, here's what my fire forecast looks like. And they don't have to get a spreadsheet for me. And if I make a change, then everybody gets that change, etc. But I think, Daniel, one of the things I think that was most valuable to me, and I don't think that I anticipated it before building the forecast tool, but once I built it, I built upon it, and I added additional features coming upon this realization is this year by year table that's there, so a lot of the fire calculators that I was using, you put in some numbers, it gives you a graph, and it gives you a year and I think that's a really great place to start, and that's where I started but you really need to get into the details because it's not ever quite that simple. And so what I decided to do is I wanted to take the spreadsheet, like all the rows in my spreadsheet, and I wanted to convert that into something that's much more easily digestible. And so the table that's below the graph that is on a forecast is packed full of so much information. And I think, honestly, it's probably a really great way to like learn how investments grow and also how taxes come out. And so for each row, what is included is each row is a year for every year. It tells you how much you earned, how much of that went to your sort of day-to-day budget, you know, your living expenses, how much of it went to paying down your debt, the amount of interest you accrued. So the amount of increase in your debt, that came that year, the amount that you put towards your 401k, the amount of interest you earned in that 401k, the amount that you put towards Roth, the interest that you earned. And then on the very right is your net worth, the total amount, all your liabilities subtracted from all of your assets. And it also shows how much your net worth increased in that particular year. And then if you keep scrolling down, once you hit your FIRE year, that's when it automatically Shows you how you can start deducting or withdrawing money from those accounts. And depending on which account you're withdrawing from, it'll show you that if you're taking out of your brokerage account, it'll say that, Hey, you know, you took out say $40,000 because that's how much you need in a year to sustain your life. You took out $40,000, but you paid maybe $5,000 in tax. And so it really gives you an idea of how the money flows and what the different sort of types of accounts are and what the benefits are between them.
0: And you know what like while you were talking it just dawned on me that for a lot of us we're so focused on putting money in but I love that the fires tool really helps you strategically think about taking the money out, right? Like I think that is sometimes a missing piece that we forget about. So How did you come up with the idea to like put all these things together? Was it like a trial and error or was it just kind of something that you were really intentional about because that was the kind of data that you were looking for?
1: I think it was a little bit of both, Danielle. You know, I think it was trial and error in the sense that the spreadsheets that I was looking at and that I had, I needed one level deeper understanding of the money than what the spreadsheet was giving me. So I wanted more information, but I don't know that I knew exactly what. I wanted more than that until I started building the tool and seeing how the visual nature of the table and the graph really helped me to say, ask more deeper questions, you know, because once I started taking money out of the different accounts, you know, once I hit my fire number, I'll first start off by taking money out of my brokerage account. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? I know I'm going to have what's called capital gains tax. So this is the tax that you pay on any interest that you've earned in a brokerage account, which is one of the post-tax accounts that we mentioned earlier. And I was like, you know what? My initial version wasn't factoring in any taxes. It was just taking money out as if Uncle Sam wasn't going to ding me for the interest that has been earned. And so I didn't want to kid myself or give myself a false sense of security that, hey, this plan will work. I wanted to know that when I start taking money out of this particular account, take that out and factor that in. Because as you'll see, it actually has a significant impact on the duration. So let's say you have $100,000 in a brokerage account. And if you're taking $20,000 a year out, the taxes that you pay on that is going to maybe make it last one or two years less. And that becomes really important when you're talking about financial independence.
0: The realistic forecast, I think, is so key and so critical. So for those who are interested in the tool, what are you hoping that they'll realize or get out of it?
1: What I hope people first get out of it is a is realization that financial independence is possible, I think, for many more people than believe that it is. So I think, you know, punching in your numbers, the first financial independence date that you get may not be the one that you want, but I think that's the journey, right? You know, you put it all in and it might say that you'll reach financial independence when you're 70. At least you know. And you have all the data that then will help you to refine it. And maybe it's cutting down expenses, maybe it's increasing your income, making those decisions and then seeing that if you make certain changes... Maybe it pulls it into 60, and maybe you want to get even more aggressive than that. And you want to say, I want to get to financial independence at 50. You'll have an idea of, you'll be able to play with the numbers and say, This is what I need to do. I need to cut my expenses down to this, and I need my income to rise to this. So it'll also tell you, This is where I should be putting my money so that once I get to that financial independence date, that I'll know, I'll have confidence that this is how I can take the money out. And this is the money that I'll have to pay in taxes.
0: And Financial Savvy Travelers, let me tell you, I'm on the site right now. And it's Very simple. There's also little notes to guide you along the way. So, Jay, thank you so much for not only creating this tool, but also coming on the show to share with us all about the things we should consider when we're thinking about investing and the importance, the importance of forecasting and planning ahead and using those numbers to really come up with a strategy to reach financial independence. So Jay, let us know how we can connect with you and where to find the forecast tool.
1: Thanks, Danielle, for having me. You can find the forecasting tools that's at fires.co. It's F-I-E-R-S dot C-O. You can create forecasts for free and you can reach me via email, ask at fires.co or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Firefrier, which is F-I-R-E-F-R-I-A-R. Danielle, I'm sure you can put the links in your notes, but links to these are also at the bottom of the FIRE's website.
0: Excellent. Now, Financial Savvy Travelers, don't forget that in the extended interview with Jay, he will be sharing how zero-based budgeting, the actual budgeting that I use personally, has drastically improved his marriage, communication, as well as his finances. So don't forget to head over to the link in the show notes to join the club to get access to Jay's extended interview. All right. Thanks again, Jay. Thank you very much, Danielle. I hope you enjoyed this episode but don't forget there's way more where that came from when you become a supporter of the show you'll get bonus episodes additional tips on affording travel real-time updates as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Danielle Slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.